Welcome to Connecting the Dollars, a personal finance podcast. I'm Emily Augusto, a CPA and financial advisor. And I'm Amanda Vaught, attorney and financial advisor. Both Emily and I are co-owners at Propel Financial Advisors. Propel Financial Advisors is an investment management and financial planning company. We are fee-only fiduciaries and independent registered investment advisors. I'm based in Chicago and Amanda is in New York City, but we work with clients nationwide. The purpose of our podcast is to explore personal finance topics, including budgeting, investing, behavioral finance, current events, and other helpful information. We also hope you'll get to know us along the way. Thanks for listening. Welcome everyone to Connecting the Dollars. We have Amanda here today and my co-host Emily is out today because she got to take a much needed vacation to Ecuador with her husband, um, which is great for Emily after a really extra long tax season. And <laughs> But it also gives us an opportunity to bring in one of our other co-founders, which is Danielle Woods. Um, Danielle, um, say hi. Welcome. Hi. Um, Danielle has been a financial advisor for 23 years. She's also a lawyer and tax professional. She has just extensive experience and tons of stories. So she has brings great insight into a lot of these personal finance questions. Um, so today we want to get into different types of accounts that we can use for savings. This is a question we get all the time from clients. And don't you, don't you think Danielle? Yes. It's uh, I spent about 45 minutes yesterday going over it with a new potential client. Yeah. And they impact people, whether they're in the savings phase, whether they're transitioning into retirement or into retirement, wouldn't you say? Mm -hmm. Yes. So when we think about these different accounts, do you mostly think of them in terms of their, their tax status? And we can get into that, but yeah. I think for <laughs> yes, a lot of, <laughs> yes, yes. And so for, let's just start because a lot of people in the savings phase of their life mostly use a 401k. So could you just briefly touch on, you know, what a 401k is and sort of the pros and cons of using that as a savings vehicle? Sure. Well, um, as in all things that have to do with people's money, it seems, um, the definition of a 401k has changed over the last 10 years. It used to be a, a 401k was offered by an employer and it was a pre-tax retirement savings account. Now um, you have both traditional 401ks, which are still pre-tax savings accounts for retirement, and you have Roth 401ks, which are post-tax savings for retirement. And so it's not as simple an answer as it used to be um, to make that even more complicated, whether or not you choose to contribute pre-tax or post-tax, your employer match, should you be lucky enough to get one, is always pre-tax. So I think I just made your question longer. <laughs> Which part of that do you want to start with? Yeah. Well, that's okay, but you know, I think it is important to stress too. This is very individual, and so no, a lot of 401ks they do have some universal qualities, but it's also very dependent on your employer because different employers offer different types of plans, mm -hmm. and so for one person they might have the Roth option, like you mentioned. They might have an employer match. They might not. Um, so we do get 
you know, into some personalization here and depending on who it is and the type of plan available. But just, just say, for example, a generic 401k, if you have a 401k and you have a pre-tax contribution and that's it, should okay. you be taking advantage of that? So usually our first question is, are you getting any kind of a match from your employer? And uh, the other word for match is free money. So um, I like free money. We tend to recommend it to clients. Um, oftentimes it looks something like um, if you as the employee contribute um, up to, you know, 5% of your salary, the employer will match, you know, half of that. So if you contribute 5% of salary and your employer contributes half, then ultimately 7.5% of your salary is being contributed to your retirement plan for you. And we keep using the word pre-tax. What that simply means is that the money that goes into that account, either for you or by you or both, has never been taxed. Um, and what that means is that it does not mean that you will never pay tax on it. It means that you will pay tax on those contributions and those earnings um, potentially many, many years from now. So whenever we talk about an employee retirement account, there are a lot of options. 401k, I think is the most common and the one that people recognize um, when they hear it. It is also what I call the Cadillac of employee retirement plans. Um, big companies, you know, any company of any size um, will offer a 401k. They are not as common for small businesses. And um, actually, most of the employers in the United States are considered small businesses. They can't afford a 401k. They're expensive. There are a lot of uh, Department of Labor and IRS requirements. And so they use something else. So um, the 401k, again, is typically limited to bigger employers you may or may not get a match. So back to your original question, should you use it? If you get a match from your employer, yes, I think you should use it. I think you should get your free money and let that add to your savings going forward. Although I recently met with a small employer group and their participants, and they asked a good question. They said, if you get a match on that 401k and you're telling me that that's free money and I should take it, but I'm going to end up paying taxes on all that in the future, am I really getting anything for it if I do that versus a Roth IRA, and maybe that's taking your question too far yet. Um, mm -hmm. That's a good question that we can go into later. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that gets back into it. It's It depends, right? Right. <laughs> right. Um, and then if we do the 401k and we do get the match, do we want to max out our 401k? Um, you know, it depends. <laughs> There's that again. Uh, usually folks who are in a very high tax bracket, I'm talking about people who are making three, four, 500,000 a year or well into the millions. Um, yeah, you, you usually want to do that. You want to max it out. In 2021, your maximum contribution can be $19,500 if you're under the age of 50. If you are 50 or older, then you can contribute um, $26,000 to your 401k. And there's a match on top of that. So um, it's still a nice amount of money to put away. And if you are in the 30 plus percent bracket, that saves you a lot on taxes. Um, now in the current year. So if you are in a much lower bracket and you're only making, you know, your 12% bracket or 22 or maybe even the 24% bracket, maximizing that when that's the only place that you're saving money may not be the best thing for you. It also depends on what your existing portfolio already looks like. So when we have somebody come to us who's, you know, brand new, like a potential client I spoke to yesterday is 
23 years old, right out of college and has his first job and is um, asking about contributing to his 401k. He has a very good 401k, has a very nice match. It matches 100% up to 6%. So he'll get a 12% contribution if he maxes out his that amount. But does he want to put all of that in there, the 19,500? In his case, it might make sense. He has a 401k that doesn't have a restriction on what you can buy. So most 401ks have a list of assets that you can buy. Um, sometimes that list is as small as four. Sometimes it's, I've seen it as big as 25 options, but whatever it is, it's a much smaller option than the entire universe out there, right? You can buy a lot of different assets. Um, if you just had your own account, you could just buy whatever you wanted. So back to that depends answer. Um, it really depends on what your options are that are available to you. If you have a, a plan like this client I spoke to yesterday where they can buy whatever they want in their 401k plan, that changes my answer quite a bit. You know, if you can buy anything and you're not limited to those five things that somebody else might be limited to, then it may make sense to max out. But the other point I would ask is, do you have any post-tax retirement savings in my favorite account called a Roth IRA? And if you know, say we have got clients who all of their money is in 401k or, or pre-tax accounts and they have nothing in anything else, then we may say, you know, it's time to start looking at other options to diversify your account type. Right. Yeah. That's what I wanted to get to next was how about using other savings accounts that are not through your employer and how can those benefit you? And mm -hmm. you just brought that up there, the Roth. Um, so can we just uh, touch on the Roth here really quick, just for people who don't know, give a little background on what the Roth is and then get into how it can benefit you? Yeah. So whenever we're talking about any kind of an account, we have a legal structure and a tax structure. And I'll talk about tax structure first, because there's different definitions for the legal structure of the Roth, depending on what kind of a Roth you have. All Roths are considered post-tax retirement savings. That means that whatever you contribute to it um, has already been taxed. And therefore, that amount that you contributed, plus the earnings on it over the years, whether that be five years or 20 years or 40 years, depending on how old you are when you make that contribution, those contributions and earnings will never be taxed again. Um, any withdrawal from that Roth IRA um, in the future for retirement purposes after the age of 59 and a half will be invisible on your tax return, which, you know, if you're in your 30s right now, that doesn't matter to you. But if you're in your 60s, it matters a lot. And so it's one of those mm -hmm. uh, diversifiers for any portfolio that we recommend. Because that can affect your, your taxes, but also um, your Medicare premiums. Medicare premiums, healthcare premiums, social security taxation. Yeah. Anything that you put on your tax return, anything you have to declare as income is going to have an impact on a, a variety of other issues on your tax return. And that's becoming more and more the case and, and more and more items are, um, are getting linked to that. Um, for instance, in the last year, whether or not you got a stimulus payment, for instance, had everything to do with how much money you showed that you earned that year. So um, the name of the game is putting as little on your tax return as possible. And sometimes that means paying some tax now to save tax later. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So your, your lifetime tax bill is lower. Yeah. That's say. a good way to, that's a good yeah. way to think of it. 
So back to the legal structure, when I talked about, I said legal structure, there's individual Roth IRAs, meaning anybody can just go open a Roth IRA and have their own. It is limited to um, whether or not you can contribute to it is based on your income. There's that, that income <laughs> issue again on your tax return. If you're a married couple, for instance, and you file jointly and you earn less than about 200000 per year, you can both contribute directly to your Roth IRA, regardless of whether or not you have a 401k or some employer plan at work. Now, if you're lucky enough to have a 401k Roth option at work, which is usually only offered by much larger companies for the reasons I already went over, your income doesn't matter. And that's what's so great about those 401k Roths. It doesn't matter how much you make. So, so say Amanda has an employer 401k Roth option and me, I only have an individual Roth option. Um, say I make... 250,000 a year and Amanda makes 250,000 a year. Amanda can contribute $19,500 to her 401k Roth. Her income doesn't matter and it's not limited to $6,000 a year like mine would be. So even if I did make less than 200,000 a year as a married person, I could only contribute 6,000. Amanda with a Roth 401k regardless of how much she makes can contribute 19,500 and get her match. The match will always go into the post or the pre-tax savings portion. So even if you have a Roth 401k at work and you contribute whatever you contribute, your employer match is always going to end up in a different type of tax account. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. And I think a lot of people, they will look at maybe their 401k balance and they think, oh, maybe I'm, I'm doing okay. Maybe I have $500,000 saved. Um, which would be a nice 401k. I don't think many people have that much saved, but mm -hmm. if you do and you say, Oh, okay, maybe I'm okay. But you have to think, okay, the tax man is, is waiting to get a chunk of that. And you don't really have 500,000 saved. You have 350 or, or whatever your, your tax bracket is, that's going to cut down into that account. And when you look at your balance in your Roth, that's you're free and clear. The tax man already came, he's paid and um, right. Right. So that's exactly right. So if you have yeah. half a million dollars in your Roth and half a million dollars in an IRA, you actually have more money available to you in your Roth than you do in the IRA because you're going to be losing, you know, 20% give or take um, to income taxes. Right. Right. And then um, I just want to touch on also using a brokerage account, which is another type of account, which doesn't have the tax advantages that we see with retirement accounts like 401ks or Roths. Um, are you recommending to people to use brokerage accounts for their retirement savings? Yeah. So those are taxable accounts. You can think of those just like a checking account or a savings account, except you invest in it. You buy stocks, bonds, whatever you want to buy in it. It can look exactly like your Roth IRA if you want it to, um, but the taxes are different. So it does have some tax benefits in that you have a lot of control over what gets taxed. So in a, an IRA, for instance, or a 401k, if you take money out, all of that is subject to regular earned income tax rates. It doesn't matter what you sold or how long it's been in there. There's no issue whatsoever on date. In your taxable savings account, when you purchased a security versus when you sold it has everything to do with how it gets taxed. And the only thing that gets taxed at earned income tax rates is non-qualified dividends and interest. 
So if you have a variety of bonds and stocks, um, how the income from those securities are delivered to you is going to make an impact on how it's taxed in the year in which you received it. But whether or not you pay taxes on, say, a stock you've held for 10 years and it's gone up 50% in value, you're only going to pay tax on that earnings. So say you bought you know, a stock for $1,000 and you held onto it for 10 years and now it's worth $2,000 and you want to sell all of it to, to um, help pay some bills that you have or whatever, you're only going to pay taxes on $1,000 because those are the earnings. Under current tax law, that would be subject to long-term capital gains rates, which right now at best are 20%, and that only impacts the high, much higher earners. So if you're like uh, the rest of us, <laughs> you'll be taxed 15% on that $1,000. So if you take $2,000 out of an IRA and you're in the 24% bracket, for instance, you're going to pay, what, $480 in taxes on that? Um, if you take out $2,000 from your Roth IRA, you'll pay nothing. And if you take out $2,000 from your taxable account on a security that you sold where you have $1,000 in earnings, you're only going to pay $150 in tax. So they're all different and they all have or will be taxed at some point. But having the three types of accounts gives you that flexibility to choose when and how to take out what you need. And ultimately, again, it's how that distribution is going to look on your tax return. And if you use all of those tools that are available to you, those very confusing and constantly changing rules that apply to those types of accounts, um, you can really you can really make out a lot better than you think you will at first glance. And, and that's something that advisors like us and our firm specialize in. And because this is a constantly moving target, it's confusing and it is always changing. And um, it's one of those ways that we add value to our clients. Yeah. Yeah. And wouldn't you say that um, people we work with once they retire or the retirees, they really appreciate having that flexibility from where to withdraw the funds, don't you think? Yeah. I mean, I, one of my favorite stories was a couple of years ago, I had a client, she called up and she says, I need $10,000 and I don't want to pay taxes on it because my premiums are set on healthcare.gov. And if I make more money than I told healthcare.gov I was going to make, they're going to make me pay more premiums. I just had a friend who had to pay $12,000 or something in back premiums for credits that he no longer got because of some unexpected income that came in. And so because she had an IRA, a Roth IRA, and a taxable account, we had the flexibility to take that $10,000 from where we needed to without making an impact on her tax return as, as, as much as possible. Yeah, that's great. And um, I think, you know, it helps with the tax bill. It helps with um, healthcare.gov premiums, like you said. And it also, I think, yeah. helps with just overall stress. No, just like definitely. Uh, one and last I thing think, I don't have to worry yeah. about, you know? <laughs> I think there's a big difference between folks who are still working and who have money being, you know, somewhat magically deposited into their accounts every month compared to a retiree who suddenly realizes, oh my gosh, that flow of money that, I had gotten so used to over the years, it's it's gone, it's stopped. So you have a finite amount of money to work with and you can't make more, you know, unless yeah. you choose to go back to work. So that's a very different situation. Um, I don't know if you're planning to talk about um, estate planning for those accounts either. Mm -hmm. I think that might be a topic for another episode. All right. So we don't go too far over time, but mm -hmm. um, I just think it seems like based on what we talked about today, the name of the game is really getting tax diversity in your retirement savings or your savings in general. What mm -hmm. did you say? 
Yes, definitely. Okay. And then any other final thoughts you'd like to share on using these different types of accounts? No, I think just, um, I guess, just be careful. Actually talk to somebody who's, whether it's us or someone else, talk to someone who actually knows you um, and asks the right questions about what else you have going on, what you're expecting to happen. Um, it's a very big picture kind of discussion. It's not something you should just say, oh, you don't have a Roth. Well, you need one. I mean, I say that I like Ross and I like everyone to have them, but yeah, there are, there are situations where I was like, you know, it just doesn't make sense for you. Um, and that should always be, that should always be taken into consideration. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that's important to stress too. That's what you get with a, with a fiduciary, somebody who is looking out for your best interests, not just trying to sell you a life insurance product or some other thing that you may or may not Mm -hmm. need. So Well, saving, I guess that's what I would tell people. Keep saving <laughs> somewhere, oh, yes, anywhere. Yes. <laughs> we'll have to do another episode on, you know, how much to save. Um, Cause that's another common question I get all the time. How much should I be putting in this? Yeah. Or how much should I be putting over here? I had a client. Um, yeah. I had a client tell me, I, I heard once that you had to have this much money to retire and I'm not anywhere near that. And I was like, well, that's not how it works. You know, we did a, mm-hmm, you know, a financial mm-hmm. plan and, and looked at their individual income and, and export needs and, you know, what their situation was with their kids and their debt. And, yeah. And I, I found that there was no reason they couldn't retire and they're very happy. They've been both been retired for over five years and, and, uh, haven't really touched their savings yet. They've been fine. Oh, well, good for them. Mm-hmm. That, yeah. Retirement doesn't look the same for everybody. No. Different people have different lifestyles, different goals, different ways they want to spend their life. And, and, you know, we can use these different types of savings vehicles to help you achieve those goals and live your life how, how you'd like to. So mm-hmm. I think exactly. yeah, that's where we would like everybody to get if they can. Yep. Okay. Well, thanks for joining us today, Danielle. Um, we can't you. wait to have you on again. Emily, you should be back for our next episode and um, we'll talk to you then. Okay. Thank you. For all links and resources mentioned today, head over to connectingthedollars.com. Thank you for listening. This podcast is for informational and entertainment purposes only and should not be relied upon as a basis for investment decisions. This podcast does not engage in rendering legal, financial, or other professional services. 